So after my first year operating, I like held myself to a higher standard and I tolerated less mediocrity in my surrounding and in my environment. Um, so I started developing deeper relationships with friends in the program who actually provided me, you know, tons of insight, tons of positive impact in my life, rather than some people that were in my environment that weren't really, you know, on the same path that I was, which is totally okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Like that couldn't be any more true. It's yeah. Your environment is your everything, right? Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. So I've got an amazing young leader today. Uh, His name's Joseph Kim, Joe Kim. And uh, Joe is a, in our third year in in our program, he is uh, a funny story. We always have used an example when we sort of fake role-playing with someone, we'll say, hey, you know, hey, Joe, like that's just kind of what's happened in our culture. And the reason is, is because Joe Superstar was the example that that I guess our founder Helmut Beeman or one of our founders Helmut Beeman wrote in the first operations manual. So, you know, it was you know, you know, Joe Superstars, you know, says this, and so I think I picked it up, and then other district managers picked it up, and then it just became part of our culture. So I think Joe's our first ever district manager, and so I know it came up in a recent conference call. He goes, "Why do you always continue to say, hey, Joe?" And, and I, we got a chance to, uh, to share, share that or distinguish why we do that. But Joe's a real superstar. So he's, he's, he's just a, an amazing young leader. He really starts this uh, conversation and it really tells a really, really vulnerable and authentic story of uh, a really powerful and challenging experience that he had growing up and that he turned into absolute gold. So, you're going to want to listen to that. You're going to want to listen to the entire podcast um, of a amazing 20-year-old leader who is just, you know, creating such amazing leaders in our business and uh, is, you know, you're, I know you're going to listen and go, is he 20? Really? And yes, that's, that's how old Joe is. And you know what we're out to, up to is looking for other amazing young leaders like Joe, looking for the opportunity to grow and develop fantastic people in our organization. So please send them our way. Please share our podcast. You can send any information or email or, 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 or questions to me at chris at leaderspodcast.ca. You can send people to leaderspodcast.ca slash apply or studentworks.com. Have a super fantastic day. Thanks so much for listening to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. So, Joe, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thank you, Chris. I'm I'm super excited to be on the podcast today. Well, I am super excited to have you here. So, uh, so this is this is just awesome. And and so, jumping back, like uh, you know, three years or three three years or so, you know, thinking back before you joined our program, who you were and any frustrations you might have had as a student. Yeah, for sure. So I joined the program in my first year of university. So before that would have been mostly in high school. Right. I was always hardworking and I was always very ambitious. Before this program, I actually worked at McDonald's for three years. That was my first and only job before joining the program from grade 10 to 12. So grade 10, 11 and 12. And I actually worked 30 to 35 hours a week in high school while, while I was in class full time. Um, I was also very into weightlifting, uh, so I had like that athlete's mentality towards winning. Right. So basically, in high school, my daily schedule throughout the week day was school from eight fifteen to two thirty five, and then I would go to the gym and work out for about two hours, and then I would bus to work and work a four hour shift during the weekday, and then on Saturday and Sunday, uh, I typically work an eight hour day each day, which ended up being thirty to thirty five hours. Right. 
And uh, the biggest frustration I had as a teenager, and uh, it's very funny because I, I wasn't planning on sharing this story because it's very personal, but I think it's very important. And it was a very defining and pivoting moment for me in my life was right. um, growing up, I, I grew up very poor. Right. I lived in a townhouse with my single mother and my little brother. Right. And uh, this was in grade 10. So I would have been about 15 years old. Right. Um, we were very behind for rent about four months, I believe. Yeah. And uh, my room was in the basement. And it came to the point where my mom couldn't pay the rent. And she also couldn't pay the hydro heat. Yeah. So you can imagine in the basement, it's already oh, cool. freezing cold Yeah, <laughs> with no heat. So I had my winter jacket in my basement. And one day, um, the electricity actually went off. Right. You can imagine in the basement with no windows, pitch dark. And uh, wow. I remember I just started crying and, and bawling my eyes out. You know, why is this happening to me? Yeah. This is so unfair. You know, this is not how I thought life would be. Yeah, And I remember while I was crying, I, I made a, a commitment to myself that I never want to experience this ever again. I never want to be in this situation again. And I think in that moment, every decision I've made after that has been just to get further and further away from that moment. And I think that's one of the reasons why I ended up getting a job while I was in grade 10 and working mm. 30 to 35 hours a week while I was in school to create that safety net for my mom, really, so that if yeah. she wasn't able to pay the bills, that I would be able to cover that. So I guess my biggest frustration would be that I wasn't able to take control of my life at such a young age. For sure. Um, so fast forward to, to today, obviously, I'm in a, in a way better spot. And, you know, I have so much gratitude towards the program and, and to you. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just very blessed to be where I am today. So, so yeah. Well, wow. Thanks for digging in and starting with uh, such a vulnerable, authentic story, Joe. Wow. So, you know, first of all, um, that's so powerful. And you can, you can see how so many people think that's a bad experience. Like they name stuff. That's a bad experience. And no, that's just an experience. And I got to tell you, for most people, it ends up being a bad experience. But Joe Kim turns it into a life-defining experience. Mm -hmm. Like that's what's amazing, Joe, is, is, is how, you know, you created so much. And, it, you know, life's just getting started for you, you know, obviously within our program, but also whatever big future you're going to go live, live into. But it's just so amazing because that can just so crush people. and. Um, well, I guess I've gotten myself into really horrible financial circumstances, mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so that's true, <laughs> lost a bunch of money in different things. But, you know, really, and on the other hand, never was concerned about paying the rent or making bills happen or whatever. And so I just like that is just so, um, you know, and again, I, my, my privilege, you know, there's just no question that I've had a lot of privilege. And I just so commend your commitment, your focus. Again, going and taking on this in the first year, you know, with really no safety net and saying, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to take this on and I'm going to invest my money and I'm going to figure this out, which is really, really amazing because, because, you know, again, there's always a risk to starting your own business, but it's even more of a risk when, when, hey, you can't go to your folks because a lot of our operators go to their parents, which mm -hmm. I totally get. I did. You know? I would too, if I, if I could. Yeah. yeah. And, and just to be clear. In that moment, I was totally telling myself, why is this happening to me? Yes. For me. But looking back now, it totally happened for me. And honestly, if I could have it any other way, I wouldn't. Because mm. I, I don't think I would be where I am today had I not gone, gone through that experience. Yeah. It's those, those harrowing moments in our life that, that, that shape us. And, you know, and one of the things that I always point at, you know, for leaders is, is you know, you want, things in life to be hard. You want to get knocked off your track. And that's one of the things our program does, um, not in the same way that Joe, Joe just had, but, you know, just a lot of the people in our lives, again, we're so comfortable, you mm -hmm. know, like, you know, most Canadians live a very, very comfortable existence, which is wonderful, by the way. That's, you know, and again, that's what we want for our children. We don't want what happened to Joe, obviously, for anybody. 
but we want to be stretched out of our comfort zone. We want to learn things about ourselves. We want to really, again, be pushed and knocked down sometimes. Yeah. And I think adversity is, is, a, is a foundation for success. And if you really study the successful peoples in the world, they typically have a great story that comes with that success. And I think those, I think the best stories come from, from the biggest adversities. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, Joe, just to sort of share back, like, I know there was a real, like, I'm not sure the defining moment when I chose, but my mom passed away or sorry, my dad passed away. And, um, I think about eight, nine years ago now. And my mom met a great man. His name's Bob. What a great guy. And, um, my wonderful sisters were working through her condo and saying, well, Bob's going to be moving in. So we got to be taking a lot of the stuff out of here, <laughs> meaning pictures of dad and all the kids stuff and we're just trimming it back. And, you know, they were just kind of a lens for her to sort of talk through. And so I got a whole bunch of stuff released back to me, which was, which was awesome. A file of things from kids and things. But I remember Joe kindergarten, it must've been kindergarten crayons and writing things. There was a car and there was, and on it, it's like, hey, I wanna, I wanna play for the Maple Leafs, or if not, the Boston Bruins, sort of typical stuff. But it says, I wanna be a rich man. Mm. So at like seven or five or seven, I had decided, I wanna be a rich man. I wanna, and and again, I think for me that meant because um, my dad was very, very successful, but more than you know, wealthy, he was successful. He had respect of people. He had high integrity. His, his life really, really worked. Kids mm-hmm. loved him. His wife loved him. He had a great relationship. They were married for 50 years. And, and so, so, you know, to me, it was kind of like, I want what that guy's got, you know, and I'll do whatever it takes. And I look back at my life and I see, I just did whatever it took you know, all the way along. I put in the effort. I, you know, again, excelled in school, excelled in swimming, excelled in extracurriculars. And it was really, again, my five-year-old or my seven-year-old choosing that and, and those, those defining moments. And again, I'm not sure when that happened or what crystallized it for me, but it was really clear um, mm-hmm. and clear to my brothers and sisters, clear to my parents. That's what Chris has gone on to decide. <laughs> yeah, I remember in the vet room during our January training, you were sharing one of the concepts you learned in one of your um, masterminds, and you and you shared saying every child wants to either be exactly like their parents or the mm-hmm. complete opposite. So for you in your case, you wanted to be like your father, super rich, super mm-hmm. successful, respect respect from other people. For me, it was the complete opposite. And I, and I love my mom and she's, she's my biggest fan. And I wanted to be completely opposite from what she was like. Yeah. And her situation. So it's, it's very interesting. Well, it's interesting for listeners of this podcast, you may also listen to Tim Ferriss podcast. And so Tim Ferriss had the guy who created Tom's the, the, <laughs> so basically the, 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 the founder of Tom's who every shoe you buy, he gives a shoe away to somebody in, um, you know, developing country to help, to help them. And it's, and it's just an incredible organization. They've done amazing things. And so Tom's was on Tim Ferriss and he actually spoke of the course that I did. And the course that I did was the Hoffman process. And he's given loads of money to, to Hoffman to sort of help people go and do this course. And it's, it's a little bit more than it's exact opposite or exactly like, but they're patterns. So Mm. are they kind? Are they, you know, do they drink too much? Do they, you know, like, like, and it's, and it's uh, all the different patterns, you know, are, are, are they humble? Are they, you know, and, and all the different ways that, that they are. And there's like doing the course, it's like an eight day course. It's, and it's just, it feels like it's five months, not in a bad way, but just, <laughs> it, it's just so immersive. And you really look again at your parents or primary caregivers, and you look at all the different things that they were. Or, or weren't, and then what you chose to do about it. Oh, yeah. And then I'm that way, or I'm not that way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the point of the program is to actually unhook yourself from those decisions you made as a child to survive and unhook yourself so that, wow, I can actually make decisions without that hanging on, unclipped. And it's, yeah. and it's funny. Tom, 
I can't remember his name. So shout out, shout out to him. Um, <laughs> but the founder of Tom's, he basically said that, and it's, it just so connects to me and I'm so embarrassed, but I'll share because you've been very authentic, Joe, is he said that he basically was so connected and, and on the drip of being noteworthy, being praised, being, you know, like, like, so that people thought well of him, right? Like, so he basically said that, like, when he'd go skiing, he'd manipulate the conversation to have people ask what he did. Mm. And so anybody who would ask what he did, they go, wow, you're Tom's from, you know, cause his name's not Tom. And yeah. he goes, oh my God, that's so wonderful. What you do is that ever fantastic. And it's, it's, What's sad is for me, I do that. Like not on a ski lift necessarily, but I but I do ski and I've seen that come up. Or it's not necessarily do I manipulate, but I totally am so proud of what I've accomplished sometimes. And there's a fine line between contribution and I'm doing it for the work and then being on the drip of being liked and admired. And it's it's something that I'm always I'm not, not not always, but but I'm 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 trying to be aware of. I'm trying to get off the drip of being something to be something rather than actually being about the contribution. You know, because again, the contribution's wonderful. Like what Tom, and just so we're clear, what Tom Tom was about was he really wanted to make that contribution, but rather not to do it to fill a part of his soul that need to be filling, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really, really um, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. It's really great to sort of start to, again, distinguish why we're making decisions. And then, you know, like, so for you, Joe, one of the things is, is, is making sure that your drive to be successful doesn't overwhelm who you become. Yeah. Like I'm so, I, I, I can't be back there mm-hmm. that I'm not actually living free of that moment. Yeah, totally. And a uh, little shout out to the landmark program. I was able to distinguish between what happened and, and the story I tell myself. So I was able to kind of like break that vicious cycle is what they call it. So yeah, yeah that, that's amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I know we talk quite a bit on the, on our, on this podcast about understanding ourselves. You know, there are no professional problems. They are personal problems that show up in your professional life, you know, and that, and that, Definitely. Yeah. yeah, that the the more I get a handle on me, Chris Thompson, the more powerful I can be as a leader, and the more I can understand myself. And again, that is my weaknesses, that is my strengths, that's my patterns, that's my vicious circles. As as uh, as Joe was responding to, then the more I can actually impact the world in a positive way. Yeah, and I, and I think that's one of the reasons why I love entrepreneurship so much and, and running my business because in order to run a better and bigger business i have to work on my personal self and my personal development first yeah. the more that i understand myself as a person and the better person i become it's going to show up in my business for sure absolutely and that's such a powerful distinction joe and i'm just so you know amazed that we're having 20 year olds distinguish that or 22 year olds distinguish that and then you've got decades to be working on it because i never you know, figured that out until I started being, you know, introduced to some of the programs that I did, uh, you know, and now, you know, in our program, we actually introduce Landmark because it's the best, in my mind, it's the best valued learning opportunity in the entire world. And so we, we introduce it to our, to our rookie operators because of what an incredible takeaway it is. And they can start again, uncovering, start going down the path. And it's a long, long path. You know, there's no, oh, I've got it, got myself figured out, figured it all out. There is none of that. Um, But if we really, I I always look at my life as I want to become as whole as possible. I want to, um, you know, learn and grow and develop as much as possible. It's, it's, you know, it's not, oh, I want to accumulate as much cash as possible, or that seems not nearly as, as exciting uh, to me. So what had you, uh, um, after your years of, of operating, really two, two really powerfully successful years of operating, want you to take on the role of a district manager and start coaching operators, Joe? So the reason why I wanted to start coaching young entrepreneurs is actually no longer the same reason why I now continue okay. to coach young entrepreneurs. Awesome. Uh, 
So originally I wanted to start coaching young entrepreneurs and I guess like pay it forward because when I was an operator for the last two years, my district manager slash coach, shout out to Luke Ben, mm-hmm. uh, just made such a massive impact and change in my life. And right. because of that, I, I looked up to Luke extremely as that guy. And, and I also wanted to be looked up by others um, the way I looked up to Luke as a role model. Right. So initially, that was the reason why I thought I wanted to start coaching young entrepreneurs. Right. But now that I've done it for a year and, and dug a little deeper and looking back now, I can see a little bit clearer that I wanted to be in a role uh, where other people can always depend on me unconditionally mm-hmm. to show up, um, always can be relied on. And I wanted to lead people on a massive scale. And I think I subconsciously knew that beforehand. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little bit more clear. Um, that this is what I actually love doing. So I genuinely enjoy showing up every single day for others. And and I do get massive fulfillment from providing value to other people. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome, Joe. And, you know, literally, I, I, I think it's true. Um, you know, it's always hard to sort of gauge what I'm going to say, but, but I really believe that this year would have been the hardest year ever in, in one context for a rookie district manager to be a district manager, you know, because we came into this season, we had this awesome start we had this awesome training, amazing teams. And then we were shut down. And uh, so what was the experience of, you know, managing uh, and coping with the challenges of COVID this season for you, Joe, and your team? Yeah. Like you said, this year was looking like it was going to be way different than what it actually had been. It was a yeah, very interesting year to get into coaching because because coaching and being a district manager is so different than being an operator. And what it takes to be a top performing operator is is not really what it takes to be a top performing coach. Right. Um. So COVID was a very interesting time, and and the way I coped with COVID, I guess it's very binary. You you it's one or the other. You can either trust the systems. Or, or not trust the systems. It's, it's very binary. Right. I feel like this year, there really wasn't the luxury of being half in and half out of trusting the system like any other typical year, maybe, and, and have that time to make up for it later. Right. Here, you really had to like double down, triple down on, on your level of commitment. Right. I guess just to break it down, like how I personally dealt with COVID was uh, for one, and this is coaching I got from you. One, I accepted the situation for what it was mm-hmm. rather than wasting my time and energy on dwelling on how it could have been this year because it's not going to change. There's, yeah. I'm never going to know what the alternative could have been. Yes. Two, I understood and put into perspective that the same level of my input was not going to yield the same result as any other years. Right. Uh, put that into perspective. Yeah. And lastly, I constantly ask myself, you know, what is the absolute best thing I can do with my time at this exact moment? And then I would just go do it because I knew for a fact that there was really nothing else that would provide me more value than whatever the task I told myself I needed to do during that time. Right. So during COVID or or any adversity or tough times, again, it's, it's very binary. You can either, you know, make the choice of ultimately being happy, optimistic and, and moving forward, or you can be negative, pessimistic, and moving yeah. backwards. And, and ultimately, it is just simply a choice. Yeah, I just love that. I just love that. And and great coaching by Chris at the time. And Chris was so having a hard time accepting <laughs> <laughs> and, and making those choices. And on the other hand, did make those choices. And so, you know, acceptance is the first step is really just, okay, this is happening to us. And and you're right. Like I know um, some people were sort of talking about, well, Chris is so optimistic. This must be a real challenge for him. And it was like, no, I think, or yes, it's a challenge for anybody. <laughs> and I'm going to see things optimistically. I'm going to see that the world is going to get out of this. And we are, no, we are not out of this. We won't be out of this for months or years. This is going to continue to impact us in some way, you know, they're talking about the new normal and what those new normals are going to be moving forward. But, you know, acceptance is so powerful, you know, to sort of just, this is, we're going to give up the possibility of having a better past. We're going to give up the opportunity of having a better year. That is just what it is. And with all that, just going head first 
And I know you, you, you know, Joe, you really went headfirst into all the different actions you could take, you know, and I, I really believe that, you know, Luke and you really won COVID in terms of our DM teams instead of in, in terms of just you got your teams to work at a more aggressive and committed way during the lockdown and coming out of it and not saying not just so we're clear you know everyone listening you know all of our dms did amazingly well and that you know joe and luke just were were out on it a little bit further a little bit ahead and then everybody crawled not crawled just swooped in behind but it was really really great how you you know enrolled your team and lots of activity and just started shooting for more activity than we ever had okay like just more calling time Right, like it was just like okay, this is the activity level we want. Let's just go get more. Um, yeah. It was really, really amazing. And, and I think this experience was so great, just because in the future, when I when I operate my own business and my own company, I hope it never happens again. But yeah. if we go through another pandemic, I now have context going into the pandemic from a business standpoint because I was able to see how you, Helen, and Pat were able to like pivot during this pandemic and, and see how a multi, multi-million dollar company, you know, can actually thrive during such a hard time while other businesses are, are failing left and right. So it was, it was yeah. a perspective and huge insight for me in terms of like my future. So I couldn't be happier with how this year turned out, to be honest. Yeah, no. And, and, and again, it, it's, it's, you know, we just communicated way more. We started meeting more, way more like sorry, a lot of systems and processes that we, that we ran all of a sudden can't be doing it that way. No home shows, not this, not that, not this. Oh, no Mexico. You know, know, so it just, you know, frankly, it's, it's been the hardest year on a senior management level in a long, long time, you know, in terms of the amount of time and energy in the business. And, you know, remarkably, you know, you know, Joe, we're going to, we're going to do $2 million more, but our, Definitely our rookie operators have been impacted most. Like there's no question in my mind you would have done a million dollars right now. You're you're at 700, you know, just because the rookies were impacted most because they were locked in and they didn't have the lead, the as much development, as much sales development, as much training and coaching. And then around sales, but then as well around production. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, they, they didn't have the weeks that we take to train them, you know? Yeah. So it really, really was mostly impactful for the rookie DM who have higher percentage of, of, of rookies and then also for our rookie operators. But like you said, it's, it's great just to sort of see this is the lesson. And there's only one summer we get to go through. We can't choose, oh, I want to go through another summer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want a different life. No, Chris, yeah, this, uh, is, this is what you're getting. Yeah, and, and shout out to all the rookie operators listening to this podcast yeah. right now. I couldn't even imagine my 18-year-old self yeah. trying to run my first business through a pandemic. It's just <laughs> so crazy. And I remember we tell all, all the rookie operators during the recruiting season, like, hey, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life by far. <laughs> but I didn't mean it <laughs> in this way. It's so, exactly. it's so true. And, and I think this is going to shape them a ton. And, and it will. The perseverance going through this pandemic in your first year running your business is going to for sure show up in the show up for the rest of their life and you will look back and be like, God, I'm, I'm so glad I went through that. Yeah, no, I, I really think that that is so true. And I think it's good. It's going to be, you know, one of the most or most remarkable years that we've, we've had in the business. And, and again, just a lot of magic created and it's kind of, again, under pressure, that's what we humans can do, you know, and again, some, sometimes not because I know from other competitors across North America, their attrition rates went way up. You know, they were, you, you know, yes, the market, we were well situated in the market. You know, clients want their windows cleaned. Clients need their houses painted. They're spending so much more time. They're in their homes, so they're easier to target in terms of marketing once we were able to. So, and easier for next door marketing because we're in the market. So there are things that just make our business so well situated and will continue to for sure until there's a new normal where people are going to be going back to offices on a consistent basis, you know, but I, but I, I again, it, it, it seems like it's going to be a while. Like to me, it's like, until there's a vaccine, I think a lot, a lot of people will just continue to work from home. Yeah. And that would be just a natural course of action. Cause there's so many people, especially our clients are largely knowledge workers. So they can work from home. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. impact their, their careers. They can still, they still make lots of progress in their businesses.
Mm-hmm. And I think just one last thing here. I think COVID really tested us as a company because um, in the previous years, we would do well even if we you know, don't follow every single system, not go next to neighbor marketing yeah. and stuff like that. But this year, we couldn't afford to not do that. Yeah. <laughs> you you yeah. need to do everything that you possibly can in order to, to make it this year. And, and I think it just really was a good testing for, for a company for sure. Yeah, it's, and, and it's interesting. Like I could see like there was, there, it does feel, you're right, Joe, it does feel like there was even a higher set of standards that our operators had this year, a higher set of, oh yeah, we really got to do this. I think there was a higher energy all season long. I guess mm-hmm. the lockdown obviously was a challenge, but it, you know, just the energy extended through the whole season has been really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's been it's been fascinating, and again, it'll be interesting to see how that changes our business. And we'll uh, again, we we always do our best to make those changes for the better, and make those changes so that hey, here's what we can take for it, here's what we can learn for it. I know we'll be doing that in the upcoming retreats that we'll have, you know, this fall. So um, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think top performers do differently, Joe? Yeah, so I think top performers um, are really the ones who are willing to always ask the most questions and are the ones who are always going above and beyond for their own learning and development. So I guess what I mean by that is they're genuinely in love with the process rather than the final product at the end of the summer and are constantly looking out for opportunities to improve themselves purely for the reason to get closer and closer, you know, to the best possible versions of themselves. And um, I think it takes a ton of humility and vulnerability sometimes to ask the right questions and, and be open to being wrong sometimes and being okay mm-hmm. with that so that they can actually learn what it is that's working and not working in, in their lives and their businesses. And then another thing I think top performers are always doing are, are they're always willing and excited to make mistakes and being able to get back up quickly so they can learn from that experience and actually see the pure value in the mistake that they made and, and just moving forward after that. I love that, especially about mistakes, really just continuing to frame mistakes as just learning environment. You know, okay, great. You know, that's, that's what it is. No problem. Don't make them wrong. Let's just, mm-hmm. okay, let's let the uh, next action, next play, you know. Hey leaders, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. So what surprised you most about being a coach and a mentor? Yeah, so I feel like people think coaching is very much the same as teaching. And, and that's what I thought what it was as well. Like I thought coaching would be kind of like being a teacher. Yeah. Uh, so going into this role this year, I thought it was mostly around teaching students how to run their first business. And I guess like providing good advice when there is an issue, which is true. Um, but being after being a coach for a year, I now understand that the role of a coach is so broad and so vague, and it's not really just about providing advice or, or teaching them how to run, the, run a business. Sometimes being a coach means you know, being a friend to a person if that's what they really need. Yeah. Sometimes being a coach means being absolutely unreasonable and mm-hmm. holding others at a standard that's really unreasonable and, and actually following through with that. And sometimes even being a coach means being able to step back even if you want to get involved and letting the person you're coaching actually figure it out and learn for themselves. So it's, it's a role where you need to be so flexible in being able to adapt to what they need or what they think they need. So it's such a more versatile role than, than I thought it would be. Yeah. 
And I'm glad it is that because I thought <laughs> I was coming in just to teach people how to run a business, but yeah, it's been such an amazing experience. And and honestly, I I can't see myself doing anything else right now. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. That's that's a really great explanation, Joe. Um, and yeah, because it sometimes we're teaching, but really sometimes you need to have someone struggle to find the way. And uh so for our leaders, they may be asking, well, how do you know? And what's true is you don't. <laughs> like, or sorry, I don't, like, I don't know. I'm trying to discover along with them. I'm trying to discover um, all the time. So I'm always asking myself, you know, was that all it could be? Was that all it should be? Is there anything else we can do? Like, and again, not necessarily, sometimes those, qu- those questions may be coming out of my mouth, but it's just, you know, and then after a coaching call, you know, there might be, how'd that go? Okay, mm-hmm. good. You know, check. I felt good. Like, I felt like, okay, that was, they're leaving better off, you know, before I engaged them, you know, and, or, or yeah, okay. I, I really got that, that some lights turned on and they got an aha. I really got that maybe, you know, they, they, they saw that they could perform at a higher level or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. then sometimes I get off the phone and I'm struggling because it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And one of the cool things I always love to say about coaching, Joe, is then we can pick up the phone again, or we can go and we can go and have another coaching call. We can go and speak again, go and sort stuff out, you know, go and then go and ask, how was that for you? Yeah. So it really is amazing. Like, you know, I, I can't see a, you know, a coach ever feel, I got it. I've got it. Like it's, it's done. You know, I'm, I'm just at a 10 out of 10 all the time. So not true. <laughs> not true at all. And just to be super transparent, I personally have learned the most this year in my third year than I did my first and second year combined, probably. I feel like uh, a perception that DMs or, or, yeah, DMs and coaches know everything, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. I'm just learning so much every single day while coaching my team. So it's just a never ending process. And I'm really excited that I learned the most this year. So I can't even imagine what I'm going to learn next year. So, Well, yeah, no, because and one of the things that's really great is that in your second year as a DM, you're taking on vets because you're going to return a bunch of veterans. And so that all of a sudden that relationship, you know, it changes and, and not it's okay. Now they're at this level. How do I get them to that next level? And that, you know, it's like we've gone through, through, you know, really, I know war, war is a bad word, but we've gone through this test, this test. Yeah, this really challenging test, no matter what, by the way, always a, a first year of operating with student works management program is an incredible test. Now it's just that much more of a test, but we've got this incredible bond. We've got these learning and this, and this experience. And then we're, how do we go from here? And so it really is, a, again, a different type of coaching. Mm-hmm. different experience, which is, which again, makes it really powerful. And then of course, we'll also have a bunch of amazing rookies so that we can, again, what did I determine? What did I experience last year? How can I do that better? A hundred percent. And I think just like going from first year operating or, or your first year as a district manager, there's such a huge learning curve. Mm-hmm. And then second year of operating or second year DMing, you're able to like take that experience and actually leverage it to create you know, tons of financial value or whatever, maybe you can actually use that experience that you learn during that learning curve. Yes, absolutely. And so how do you think this experience will be helpful to your career and your life? Yeah. So for me personally, I'm going to be an entrepreneur or, or be in an entrepreneurial role for the rest of my life. That's just what I know is super clear is what I want to do. Yeah. So the skills that, that you learn in this program are all unbelievably transferable, as everybody probably knows. You know, learning how to be a leader, managing other people, you know, not even just, you know, just selling your perspective or your idea, recruiting an incredible team, motivating. There's just, there's just so much that's so transferable. And these are skills that really anybody who wants to live a big life, whether it's running your own business or, or not, these are things that you, you must know and master, right? It's, it's evident in any career with any big roles. So for me, there's no better place I can be in terms of like what I'm doing now that aligns with my future. Awesome. So what key habits, you know, for our leaders listening, what key habits would, if they could, would they want to steal from you, Joe? Great question. Um, So just looking back on the last 
three, four years of my life, there's three, I don't know if you would call these habits, but like three concepts that just works for me mm-hmm. every time. Number one, uh, stole this from Elon Musk, work like hell. You, right. you have to work like hell. Yeah. Uh, two is show up every single day. Mm-hmm. And the last one is say yes to every single opportunity and, and just figure it out later. Right. Coming into my first year operating, I think I had a minus $100 in my bank account. And I remember we had to put a, a materials deposit for $339. Couldn't afford it. My best friend had to spot me so I can put that, put that deposit in. And uh, I, just, I just said yes. And I just, just figured it out. And I think also being in massive action while you, while you are trying to figure it out, because right. uh, the world just works better for you when you're in action. You, like I promise to say yes to every single opportunity, and, and I promise you'll figure it out later. You are not supposed to start a business with minus money. Okay, I know. Joe? You're, you're, that's very clear, <laughs> by the way, just for our, for our leaders. You don't yeah. start a business <laughs> with minus money. Yeah. But, you know, when there's a real commitment and a passion, People figure it out. Like that's, you know, and 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 the money problems go away because they just create value. And we've seen that over the years. Again, that's not what we recommend. That's not what, you know, it's and and certainly by the way, everyone, of course, money helps, you know, but what helps more is that killer, you know, it's not just an attitude, it's it's a killer willingness. You know, that's the big thing that I see. I've always seen that in you, Joe. You're just willing, you know, mm-hmm. just you know, willing to pick up the phone, willing to be there for your team, willing to be there for your customers. And that creates, like you said, that that drives action, that drives results, you know, and that that you know covers off, uh, you know, and puts money problems. And obviously, the money problems for you have all gone away. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> or not all gone away, but but you know, made lots of progress in that area. So, yeah, and money is the one thing that you can always figure out. Mm-hmm. Right? Money problem is the one thing you can always figure out. There's never a shortage of money. You can you can figure it out. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So what, what would you tell a young person who wants to jump into entrepreneurship? Yeah, so similar to what I just said, I, I think it's very simple. I think it's just saying yes to every single opportunity that you're given and just figure it out later. And, and the key to that is once you say yes, you have to stay in massive action. Yeah. You can't say, yes, I'll do it and, and sit on your ass. It's, it. it's not going to work, I promise you. And like I said, I think in entrepreneurship or, or life in general, it's... It, it just works better for you when you're constantly in action and doing doing just anything to keep pushing forward by staying in action. You're always going to be presented with random opportunities that you weren't even aware of being possible. And you know, by being in action, you'll develop and create new relationships that that'll show up in your future. And you just have to be ready to take on any new opportunity. And and I'll promise you that you'll figure it out later and make it work. It's great. Uh, Joe, you know, one of the things as well is I know we talk about, you know, the five people you spend most time with just is so impactful, you know, that you'll become the average of the five people, their their health, their wealth, their spirituality, all these different things. And so I, I know that's that's really changed for you as well. You know, just just the people you spend your time with. Maybe you can speak to that, just just how that shifted over the last three, four years. Yeah, I think this is something that I actually started doing after my first year operating. So after my first year operating, I like held myself to a higher standard and I tolerated less mediocrity in my surrounding and in my environment. Um, so I started developing deeper relationships with friends in the program who actually provided me, you know, tons of insight, tons of positive impact in my life, rather than some people that were in my environment that weren't really, you know, on the same path that I was, which is totally okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Like that couldn't be any more true. It's yeah. Your environment is your everything, right? Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. And, and, and just, just having people who are looking for similar things who are out doing it. And again, it's not about exclusivity. It's about you know, I know you live with Jimmy and Josh. They're they're just you know committed, hardworking, and they're just you know full of energy. And and it's just when you're on a team of people who are you know again looking to really support each other, it just makes it so much easier to go and achieve great things. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm feeling down or blue. Oh, look at Joe, he and Jimmy. They're really on it. You know, okay, I'm going to get going. Right. You know, it just makes yeah. such a difference. A hundred percent. And and I know we go through this in one of our trainings, but I think 
I forget what the exact percentage is, but, but it's the factors that allow you to be successful. I think environment was 50%. Mm-hmm. Mindset was 30 or 40 and your skill set was like 10%. Yeah. Yeah. So it is all about your environment. And I think just when you're in a program with so many amazing people that just hold you at a higher standard, you're just forced to, you know, level up and, and hold yourself at a higher standard as well. Yeah. You're, you're forced and you want to, right? That's yeah. the biggest thing is, you know, you just want to. And, and again, you know, who wants to be sad and, you know, not moving and not feeling good, right? Who wants to be that? No one. And so it's, you know, it's it, one of the things I love to distinguish for our operators. I do a lot of top performer calls, as you know, Joe. And one thing I always love to do is when they're having that top performing week is sort of say, Joe, how did you feel last week? I felt really good. Did you mm-hmm. work really hard? I worked really hard. What, what was different from this week than last week? I worked way harder, Chris. But how did you feel? I felt way better. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and having them distinguish. And so that week that you didn't do as well, and, you know, you were in the dumps and you, how did you feel? I didn't like that much. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and you go, okay, so when I actually do what I say, when I actually work extra hard, when I fit in the, you know, as you were saying about your high school, got up, went to school, worked out, worked. Like there's real integrity in that, but Mm -hmm. I feel better. I'm getting results. I'm putting my money problems aside. I'm putting money aside. I'm helping the family. And then, you know, it's like, wow. So it's great when we can see hard work. It doesn't feel worse. It feels better, right? It feels better. Totally. And I think happiness comes from progress. It doesn't matter how big or how small, just as long as you're making improvements and progress in, in different parts of your life. I think that's where like fulfillment comes from and being excited for your future and being happy. I think it comes from progress because typically like unhappy people, they're very uh, plateaued. Like they're very, yeah. they're not moving. Yeah. Right? So I think it comes from progress. Well, yeah. Cause it's even if you, if we think about it as well, like happy is not, like it's a momentary place, right? It's like, okay, so let's just work through this. I got all the money I want. I've got a, you know, happy family. I've got a, a you know, I'm, I'm de- decent diet and fitness level and spirituality, all these things. It doesn't stay there. Mm-hmm. You know, if, it, you know, if I, I, you know, I don't pay attention to the relationships in my life, those relationships go away. I don't pay attention to, um, again, my health, my health goes away. So it's all about ensuing. It's all about, again, we keep this space called happiness because mm-hmm. we're creating it every day, right? Like that's, that's how I see it as well. And, and, and we, when we connect it, again, to doing the work, but doing so often, it's like, don't you think a lot of times people think when they think doing the work, that's bad. Doing the work. Oh no, I want to figure out how I can not do the work and get the results. Not do the work and have and be fit and healthy and have great relationships and a bunch of money in my bank account. Mm-hmm. You know, and even if I had all those things, it's not going to stay unless I do the work. Like the work is the cool thing. A hundred percent. And I feel like, especially during the busy seasons of student works, when you're in the busiest moment, like oh my god, I wish I can just have a weekend off. Yeah end up having that weekend off like man this sucks i want to <laughs> so like I kind of like anytime i'm in the busiest part, i'm like oh my god i'm so tired i remind myself i'm like i want to work i'm not gonna want to sit down and do nothing for I'm, i never enjoy that right, right. so I just, like remind myself and trick myself like this is what i want to do well well um, even even as well it's really great to look at what should we be doing or sorry should what i propose what i think is the best use of our spare time is again doing, you know, activities or, or relationships. Oh, great. I'm traveling with friends. I'm seeing something. I'm, 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 you know, doing activities that are fun or whatever that, 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 that again, just kind of sitting now, now again, you know, I get as well restful, you know, Hey, we need to make sure we're sleeping and stuff. But, but again, recreation is something as well. That is to recreate to, again, to spend time. So I think there's a, there's a mindset out there that, that, um, leisure is better than work or, or, or that it's, uh, I, I think I'm having a hard time distinguishing it, but I, there's something to enjoy the work. You know, yes, there's also a problem if we're working too hard, 
but that that I I love when my life is working and I'm putting hard hard work into it. Yeah, and I, and I think the general population prefers leisure than work because they enjoy leisure more than work. But I feel like if you're able to find work that you genuinely enjoy and love, that's when you start preferring work instead of leisure. Because I genuinely you know, love what I do and I, and I never feel like I'm working when I am. Uh, so it's in, like, I do experience burnout, but essentially it's impossible for me to burn out because I just enjoy every single process so much. So, yeah, I think you hit it, Joe. Like, I think really that's what's happening in our culture. And I think that's what I'm sort of seeing. It's like, oh yeah, why is leisure such a big thing? Why is just hanging out such a big thing? Well, the reason is, is because most people don't have jobs that they really, really are loving and expanding and creating and, and changing themselves. So you know, and that's one of the great things about taking on leadership is it continues to challenge us and, and make life more difficult in a powerful way. So I think, I think that's, that's exactly it, where obviously it's way, way harder. You know, I'm sure your job in high school, working at McDonald's for 35 hours a week, it's hard to feel super excited about it. And on the other hand, put a smile on your face, help serve customers. You know, uh, you know, again, I go to McDonald's and get my egg McMuffins or whatever. And thank you very much. And, you know, so it's well run machine there, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I think if I was in a position where I, where I didn't love the, the job that I had, I would totally prefer leisure over my job. Like that makes yeah, sense. Exactly. But, but I think the key and the secret is to find something that you genuinely love and, you know, you, then you won't be working a day in your life. Right. Exactly. So when you think of a leader tomorrow, what do you think of? Last question, Joe. Yeah. So when I think of a leader of tomorrow, I think of a person who makes the intentional choice to show up every single day, day in and day, in and day out for themselves and for the people in their life, regardless of anything really standing in their way. I think a leader of tomorrow is a person who wants it, wants success more than anybody else and is honestly willing to just do whatever it takes to achieve their goals by any means necessary. So the willingness. Fantastic, Joe. So Joe, thank you very much for coming on the Leaders of Tomorrow. I know we'll have you back um, in the future as you continue to stay and develop and create enormous uh, value in our business. And most importantly, enormous, you know, vibrant, committed, willing young leaders. So well done. Thank you, Chris. I, I really appreciate it. Okay, fantastic. Have a fantastic day. You too. Cheers. Cheers. You bet. Bye-bye. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply, and I can't wait to see you on the other side.